Well, I can tell you that I am really excited about the message this morning because it's one of those messages that, that has the potential to change your life. It really does. It, you know, the way that you look at things, the way that you see things, it's one of those messages. That, and, and it's not coming from me. It's going to come out of the scriptures, but it's, it's very, very powerful if you understand what the Apostle Paul is saying to us, especially when it comes to dealing with our flesh or dealing with sin in our life. And I want to bring everyone up to speed and just kind of recount to you. We've been in the book of Galatians now for, I don't know, quite a while, it seems like. And when we started out, I told you what it, the outline would be. In chapter 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul basically shares his experience with grace. He talks about how he knows what it's like to live under the law. He did that. He was a Pharisee. He was a keeper of law. He kept the law better than most, he said. So he understands that, and he knew what it was like to receive grace because in keeping the law, he persecuted the church. He was actually killing and putting to death Christians, putting Christians in prison, and then the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and he became saved. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So Paul, in the first two chapters, really tell us, hey, this is my experience with grace. And he tells us salvation, our salvation, comes through grace, through faith alone and not by works. And then in chapters 3 and 4, it gets kind of grinding, where he grinds out a doctrinal argument of why salvation is by grace alone, why it's not based on works. You see, back in that day, as a Jewish person, you were, your, your life was based on the law, how well you kept the law. Paul goes into this region of Galatia. He spreads the gospel. They're not Jews. They're Gentiles. So they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They get saved by grace. Well, then some Jewish people come along behind them, and they say, listen, that's great. You believe, but now you have to start keeping the law. And Paul's writing this whole letter, this book of Galatians, to them to say, no, it's not true. I don't want you to keep the law. You don't have to keep the law to be saved. You, you, your salvation is not based on your works. And then in chapter 5, we began to see what it looks like, what grace looks like in the life of a believer. And if you remember from a previous study, we talked about, as Paul addresses this letter, these churches in Galatia, he realized that the Judaizers who were preaching legalism, who were preaching them to follow the law, he realized their argument. And their argument was this, Paul You're saying the law is not necessary. We're no longer under the law. Then what's going to keep people in line? What you're saying is if we're not under the law, there's nothing to tell us what we can do and what we can't do. What is it that's going to tell people how they should live? You cannot just throw away the the law. And Paul recognizes that. And he said last week, and we looked at it briefly, he said, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. That was in chapter 5, verse 13. So Paul says, listen, you're right. We're not under the law. But we are not going to use the freedom, we are not going to use the liberty that we have as an opportunity to feed our fleshly desires. And we pick up this morning with that thought in verse 16. Follow along with me. The Apostle Paul says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Paul says it very clearly. He says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, he says something interesting in there. The word walk. It means to go here or to go there. It means to pursue a course. It means to, to, to live or to behave in a specific manner with the focus on continuing. 
And we call that our Christian life. It's our walk. It's a walk. We're walking after we're walking after eternity. We're walking after the Lord. We're walking in the flesh. But I can choose what Paul's saying here is I can choose what I'm walking after, right? I can choose to walk after the Spirit, or I could choose to walk after the flesh. Well, what does that mean, Rob? What is the difference? Well, listen. That word for flesh, it means literally that which covers your bones. Your skin, right? My, my skin, it's what covers my bones. It, it's what makes me human. It's what makes me a person. It's my flesh. Now, if your flesh is anything like my flesh, it has certain desires. And you'll find that everybody that has flesh, and we all do, has certain desires, but our desires may differ. The thing that our flesh wants us to do may draw us into different directions. Get away from the notion of thinking flesh and sexuality. Okay, sometimes we say, you hear this verse taught and you think, flesh, sexuality. That, that's only one small portion of your flesh. Your flesh can lead you into an, into an emotional wreck. Your flesh can lead you into a fit of anger. Your flesh can lead you into stealing something. Your flesh can lead you in all kinds. Your flesh can lead you to lust. Your flesh can, flesh can lead you to covet. Your flesh can lead you into a prideful situation. Your flesh can lead you to step on somebody else so you can gain favor or get promoted or things like that. Those are all things of the flesh. Now, the things of the Spirit are the things of the Lord. Right? Now, here's how it works. You and I have a choice. Here's what happens. We have a choice. When you wake up, you can decide, am I going to walk after the things of the Spirit today? Am I going to feed the Spirit or am I going to feed the flesh? And you might make that choice several times throughout the day. You cannot, it's impossible for your flesh to connect with God. You can't do it. Your flesh can act spiritual. Your flesh flesh can pretend it's spiritual. Your flesh can look spiritual. But the only way as believers that we can connect with God is through our spirit. Our spirit has to connect with his spirit. Let me explain it to you. And and we're going to, this will all be clear by the end. Here's what we're made up of. You have a body, right? You have a spirit, and you have a soul, which the, soul, the word for soul is psyche. It's a mind. We have a, we're, we're what's called a trichotomy. There's three parts, body, mind, and spirit. Our body, soul, and spirit, however you want to say it. Our spirit is what connects with God. Somebody who's living under a law, who's trying to please God in the flesh, they're trying to please God with their body. They're trying to please God with the things that they do, or with the things that they don't do, with the things that they say, or with the things that they don't say. But here's what we need to understand. I know a lot of Christians that struggle, that battle in this world of the flesh. Because Paul said it very clearly. Look what he says. He says, so that you do not do the things that you wish. They're contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Which means there's things that I want to do that I don't do, and there's things that I don't want to do and that I do. Say that again. You confuse me. You ever felt that way? You set your heart. I want to do things for the Lord. Then you find yourself off course. That's what he's talking about here. You set your heart. There's two different... Let me, let me illustrate it to you this way. See if this makes sense. I'm going to give you my little bit of computer knowledge. You ready? Inside of a computer is a hard drive, right? And the hard drive is what contains the operating system. Whether it be Windows 7, Windows 8, whether you have a Mac OS X or you're using Linux, it has, it, it's, it's what tells the computer how to run, right? Now, here's, what it, here's the way it works. Before somebody gets saved, 
Think of their life as a computer. Inside their life is a hard drive. And the only thing to drive them is their flesh. And that first hard drive represents the flesh. It's, it's, it's before someone has Christ, they don't have an option to walk after the Spirit because they haven't believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no Spirit in them. The only thing they're living for is themselves. It's the only option they have available to them. Once somebody believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ enters into you, and we're told that when you believe the Holy Spirit comes into you, it's like he puts another hard drive in there. Now there's two hard drives in there. And you get to choose which one you're going to run off of today. You see, some people take that flesh hard drive and they try to clean it up. They delete all the bad stuff. They erase all the bad words, take out all the files, get rid of this, get rid of that, get rid of all those viruses. But they're still operating in the flesh. Paul says, listen, you don't need the law. If you'll operate in the spirit, if you'll operate in the things of God, if you'll follow the things of the Lord, the lost can't survive. Because look what he says. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's impossible to operate on both at the same time. So let me put it to you very quickly, if, or very, very simply. Victory over the flesh does not come through the flesh. Victory over your flesh does not come through your flesh. You can't suppress your flesh to get victory. You don't suppress your flesh, you surrender to the Spirit. That's how you get victory over the flesh. We don't try to control our flesh. We surrender to the Spirit. Let me put it to you another way. What are you feeding? When it comes to your, your body, do you feed your desires of your flesh or do you feed the desires of the Spirit? You see, there's a Spirit yearning inside of you to connect with God. And the way that you do that is through prayer, through fellowship, through the study of the Word. You, you connect with Him through the way that He's prescribed. But there's also a way inside of you, this other hard drive, we'll call it, that wants to pull you away from God. It wants to pretend it's spiritual. It wants to act spiritual. It wants to draw you into your fleshly desires. You can't live in both. Lots of Christians are stuck living on their fleshly hard drive, not realizing there's a whole other operating system available to them to move in. So they try to clean it up. They present it and they clean it up. They put it, they polish it. They do the best they can but they're still living their spirituality, their religion. They're still living it in their flesh. That's why we can say it can be bad for someone to have a discipline of getting up every morning and studying the Bible. Why? Because if it's a fleshly rule that you've put on, you're still operating in the fleshly realm. But I thought getting up in the morning and studying the Bible was healthy. It's very healthy if you're doing it from the spiritual perspective. Because what will happen is some morning you won't wake up to study the Bible. And your whole day will be wrecked. I didn't do my devotions. I'm wrecked. No, you're not wrecked. You're not wrecked. God still loves you. It's okay. You're in the Spirit. You're not operating on the rules. Because the very things that lead us in the Spirit, prayer, worship, fellowship, study of God's Word, they can become legalism and move right back into the flesh if we're not very careful. Paul says, as Christians, we're free. We're free. We don't need a law to tell us what to do. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. I don't need to tell you what's right and wrong. I don't need to, tell, to, to make a list for you and say, all right, now that you're all coming to this church, there's these seven things that you can't do. I want you to follow the Holy Spirit in your life because that is so much more valuable than me listing what you should do or what you shouldn't do as a Christian because that's not how it worked in my life. You see, when I got saved, when I first started coming to church, 
I was still very much following my flesh, very worldly. I still did all kinds of things that I wouldn't dream of doing now. And it was only through time, as I began to study, I began to feed the Spirit, I began to grow in the Spirit. As I grew in the Spirit, the things of the flesh began to diminish. But if all I'm feeding is my flesh, if all you're feeding is your flesh, you might not even realize there's a whole other hard drive over there for you to operate on. When you find a Christian struggling, sin, bound, repeating over and over and over and over and over and over again, and Lord, forgive me, and it's just this cycle that won't be broken 99% of the time they're operating in the flesh. Their spirituality is coming from their fleshly actions. When they do good, they think God's happy with them. When they mess up, they think God's disappointed in them. It's not the way to live. Think about that. Tell somebody to come to salvation. You can struggle like me. That's not, what, that's not salvation. That's not freedom. Freedom says you come to me and don't worry about your flesh because if I walk in my spirit, if I'm in the spirit, the flesh will take care of itself. Get that through our mind. Paul said it this way in Romans. I'm going to turn over to Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verse 1 because it is so, so important. Paul said this. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Same argument. Paul says, do we just keep sinning because we have all this grace? Verse 2, Romans 6, 2 says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? What do you mean, Rob? What do you mean we died to sin? Look what it says. Or don't you know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So Paul's telling the Romans here, he says, listen, when you believed on Jesus Christ, you, 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 you get what he got. He was buried and raised from the dead. You get that too. Sin has no power over a believer. Let me say that again because that's important. We need to understand that. Your flesh has no power over you. It cannot make you do anything. You can choose to follow it, but it cannot make you do anything. Prior to coming to Christ, you only had one hard drive. You had to follow your flesh. When you come to Christ, you choose. You choose. Paul would go on to say in verse 5 of Romans, For if we have been to... If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Christ. For the death that he died, he died to sin once. Notice what it says, for all. He died for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now pay attention here. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon. That's an accounting term. It means reconcile. It means make the, make the balance, make, make, the, make the ledger add up. It means I need to consider myself dead to sin. Con- consider it dead. You don't have to do it. You don't, you, this is good news. This is the gospel. This is, says you don't have to come to Christ and struggle with sin. 
Paul says you are to consider, you are to reckon yourself the fact that you do not have to live a life of sin. You do not have to live a life of struggle. That is the best news. That's what the gospel is. It doesn't matter what your flesh is saying, whether it wants alcohol, whether it wants drugs, whether it wants prescription medication, whether it wants, whether it's, it's a sexual desire, whatever your flesh, maybe it's an emotional thing. Whatever your flesh is calling you towards, you have the power by the gospel to say no. I'm not operating on that hard drive today. That's huge. That is huge. Because so often we find Christianity and Christians struggling with this flesh. And it's the same thing. And I've, asked, I've mentioned it before. How many of you have done that? Lord, I'll never do that again. Please, Lord, help me. I'll never, I'll never say that again. I'll never, I'll never think that again. I'll never do that thing again. We find ourselves in this cycle. You don't have to be in the cycle. It's broken by Jesus Christ. When his death on the cross and his resurrection said, I am breaking that cycle. If you're stuck in the cycle, it's because you're choosing to be stuck in the cycle. Keep reading in Romans with me. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. It's still there. It's still possible. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. That's your body, your mind, your hands, your arms. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. Amen. Let me clarify it for you. Christians miss this section all the time. We are not bound by how we are doing in life. We are under the, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are under the grace of God. Not on how you're doing. You have the power of sin broken. You have a new hard drive placed in your heart that you can now operate on the Holy Spirit, not on the flesh. If you don't have Christ, the only option you have is the flesh. And you are in bondage to the flesh because it's all about you. Last week, turn with me back to Galatians. Last week we saw the Apostle Paul say, Don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see, the flesh is selfish. Flesh is selfish. The flesh is all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what's going to please me. Well, how do I overcome that? Paul says, we read in Romans, you already have the power to overcome it. How do I physically and practically overcome it? Walk after the Spirit. Serve other people. Serve other people. Walk after the Spirit. We get to choose who we're going to follow today. Verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not. It's impossible to fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, your body lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19 says this. Now the works of the flesh, what are they? They're evident or they're made manifest. They're seen, which are, the first one listed in my Bible is adultery. Adultery. Some versions may not have it listed. It'll be covered in the next one. But adultery, Proverbs 6.32 says, whoever commits adultery lacks understanding and destroys his own soul. Whoever commits adultery lacks understanding and destroys his own soul. Matthew 5, 27 and 28 basically tell us whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Listen, the Spirit is about what's inside of you. 
The flesh is about what your body's doing. Take a young person who says, you know what, I'm going to save myself from marriage. I'm not going to get involved with that. I'm not going to get involved sexually with anybody until the day that I get married. They can walk into their marriage day a virgin and still be impure or unpure because of what's taken place in their mind, because what they've engaged in their heart, because what they've looked at, because what they've seen, because of, of what they've let, allowed inside of their body. They, can, they might have their flesh clean, but their heart and their minds can be impure. When it comes to walking after the Spirit, Jesus says if you've looked at a woman and lusted, you've committed adultery in your heart. What he's basically saying is, listen, it's not about what you're doing in your body, it's about what's taking place in your heart. Because the Pharisees, he would say to them, you acknowledge me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You see, it's possible for someone to clean up their flesh to a point where they look like they're doing pretty good. Maybe they go to church, maybe they're serving in church, maybe they're doing things for the Lord. You might look go, wow, that's a really religious person or spiritual person. But the Lord looks in the heart. He says, he sees why we're doing what we're doing. He sees the motivation behind. Because it's possible for someone to be serving in church for the wrong motivation. They just want to be recognized. They just want people to think that they're spiritual. That's the flesh rising up, trying to make them connect them with God. You can't connect that way. You have to do it in the spirit. Adultery. Whoever commits adultery lacks understanding and destroys his own soul. And I don't need to define it for you. You know what it is. Fornication is the next one. This, the, Paul's saying this is what the flesh looks like. This is what it looks like in somebody's life. It looks like fornication. The Greek word there is pornea. It's where we get our word for pornography in the, in the American language. It's pornea. It means sexual immorality. It's all forms of illicit sexual relationships, whether it be on tape or in person. It's, it's, it's anything to do, anything illicit sexually. It's, it's, it's not just heterosexual. Anything to do, any, any form of illicit sexual relationship, that's what fornication is. Anything to do with sexual that's not the way that God designed it between a man and a woman in marriage, he says it's fornication, Paul says. If you see this going on in somebody's life, you can understand they're living in the flesh, especially if it's a repeated thing. They are not choosing to walk in the Spirit because we just read they're contrary to one another. I can't be doing these things and be in the Spirit. The next one he says is uncleanness. It's filthy or dirty, and it specifically relates to sexual sin. In a broader sense, it's moral uncleanness. It's, it's uncleanness in thought. It's word or deed. So Paul's, the first couple here are identifying sexual sins. The next one is, is lewdness, debauchery. It, can, it, it, it means it's an openless, shameless, brazen display of the previous list, of the previous things. It's when someone basically is open about their sin. They're shameless about it. They're, they're not even calling sin, sin. They're just, this is, it's fine. It, it, this is what we do. This is who I am. I don't, if you don't like it, tough. That's what this is talking about. That's what it means. It's lewdness, debauchery. And going on down the list, idolatry. Now we turn from a sexual position or relationship to, you know, to, to worship. It involved, it involved the worshiping of pagan gods by bowing to the idols, and because of its mention just here after the sexual sin, that probably includes male and female prostitutes as part of the temple or part of, the, part of their religion. Idolatry. But we say, no, no, we don't, we don't have little things we worship anymore today, Rob. We don't have to, we don't, yes, we do. We don't have little trinkets. What do you think the sports world is all about? You don't think that we worship sports teams? Look what's hanging on walls, on TV sets. Look, what's, look what people are paying to go to see games. 
Please, I'm not saying don't enjoy a, a, a sporting game. But something that we can enjoy for a little bit of entertainment can very quickly become an idol. We worship people. We have American what? Idol. We're not even shy about it. Dancing with the stars. We watch these things. And not to say that you can't enjoy a TV show. Please don't misunderstand. But when we're, right, we're reading magazines about people, we're, 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 we want to know what the idols has to say. We want to know what their political positions are. We want to know all this stuff we've become to where we're worshiping them. Do we know more about American Idol than we know about Jesus? Do we know more about Dancing with the Stars this week than we spent, did we spend more time with them with watching the Dancing with the Stars than we did in our Bible? Be careful. I think we can get us in trouble that way. He goes on. Sorcery. This one's interesting. Sorcery or witchcraft. The word there, the Greek word, is actually pharmakia. That's where we get our word pharmacy from. Pharmacy. It has to do with drugs, magic, or spells. Witchcraft. They would make up magic potions and they would give them to people. It has to do with, it, it literally means the use of drugs. In ancient times, the worship of evil powers was accompanied by the use of drugs to create trances. If we're using drugs, and I'm not talking about prescribed medicine that you have to have, if we're using some form of illicit drugs, and you don't have Christ in you, you are opening up yourselves to the demonic world. Here it is, all the way back then, several thousand years ago. Something that's not talked about very often. Talk to somebody, spend some time talking to somebody who's had or had some issues with some drugs. And find out what they can tell you about some of their bad trips, some of their bad highs. Find out what they can tell you. They'll tell you some interesting stories about it. Sorcery, witchcraft, circle it and write use of drugs in your Bible because that's what it really means. Pharmakia, pharmacy. That's where we get it from. He goes on, hatred. We know what that is. Contentions means strife, discord, conflict, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, working to get ahead of others, dissensions, opposing groups, factious opposition, heresies. It's what happens when people quarrel over issues or personalities causing hurtful divisions. Envy is an evil feeling, a a wrongful desire to possess what belongs to someone else. What about envy? If you find yourself, I wish I had their house, I wish I had their car, I wish I had their life, I wish I had, I wish, I wish, I wish. Be careful, you're envious. That's That's a work of the flesh. Can you be happy when someone tells you about a blessing they've received? If someone says, hey, I found $25,000, can you be happy? Or you can be, oh, I wish it would have been me that found $25,000. That's envy. That's, that's the flesh coming up. You see, as we encounter these things, the Bible makes it clear, these are works of the flesh. This is what it looks like for someone to operate in the flesh. And he goes on, drunkenness, which means to become drunk on strong drink or alcoholic beverages, revelries. Ex- I mean, revelries means excessive feasting. Typically towards a sexual appetite is what it's referring to. And if I missed you, if, you have, if you're going, whew, made it through that list, he says, and of the like, which means everything else. And of the like, that means that there's, this is not a comprehensive list, it's just there, anything along these lines is what he's saying. Paul's making it very clear, and he's going to tell us, listen, if you're operating in the flesh, your life will look like this. And he's going to tell us just shortly, if you're operating in the spirit, your life will look like this. Now look what he says as he finished the list. 
of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those, Paul says, I told you this. I'm telling you again. Those who practice these things, such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. You might go, wait a minute, Rob. Some of that list I was okay with, but there's a few of those things that you touched on. There's a few of those things that really, really kind of hit home with me. There's a few of those things that, that understand something. Paul said those who practice such things. You know what practice means? Practice means I continually do it. I, my, a kids go to soccer practice. What does it mean? It means I go to get better at something. I go to try to accomplish something. I'm strong. I'm doing it day in, day out. I'm, I'm getting better at it. It's not the person. He's not speaking to the person who's convicted. He's not speaking to the person who goes, oh, Lord, I need to change. You know, I, I, I need to see this. He's speaking to the person who's walking going, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He's speaking to the Christian that would say, I don't need, I, I got all the grace I need. I can live however I want. I can do whatever I want. Take him to this section of Scripture. Those who practice such things, and ask them, are you practicing them? If you are practicing them, then it's time to stop practicing them. It's time to stop. It's time to be holy and to, be, and, and to live the life in the Spirit, not after the flesh, because that's what you're doing. Now let me explain something to you too. As your day goes on, you'll find that you might start in the Spirit, but then you might get sidetracked to the flesh. Then you might go back to the Spirit, and you might get sidetracked to the flesh. And you might get back to the Spirit, and you might go back to the flesh. Has that ever happened to you guys? You start out, I want to be in the Spirit, but then something pulls you aside. Listen, the more you feed the Spirit, the less the flesh will raise its head. The more you feed the flesh, the less the Spirit will be known by you. Still there, still available for you, but just becoming farther and farther and farther away. And then justification sets in and you begin to justify what you're doing. That's not where we want to be. When we read this list, and I'm, I'm just like you guys, there's things on that list I read and go, outburst of wrath, man, I got angry last week. I said, I, I, I said something I shouldn't have to my kids maybe or something like that. What do, I do? what do I do about that, Rob? This is not the person who's repented. This is not the person who goes, Lord, forgive me. Lord, my heart and my desire is to live for you. My heart and my desire is to walk in the Spirit. My heart and my desire is to, is to be holy. Lord, make me holy. That's a different person than the person who's living a life going, it doesn't matter what I do. I've got all the grace I need. I, I, I can live anything, any way that I want. That's who needs to hear this. They shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, on the contrary to walking in the flesh, look what Paul says. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and the rest of them are all parts of love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Paul says, listen, I'm going to lay out a path for you. I'm going to tell you you have two options. You walk in the flesh, it looks like option A. We just read them. You walk in the Spirit, it looks like option B. 
We just read them as well. Love. Notice the word fruit is singular. It starts with love. After love, everything else falls into place. Joy, peace, long-suffering. That's not one we like to hear, right? Long-suffering can be hard. It's, it's, it's long. Long-suffering. But what a blessing and an encouragement it is to meet a believer who's in the midst of long-suffering and still giving glory to God and still says, God, you're still on the throne. My life is hard right now. I've lost, I've endured my health, loved, whatever it is, whatever I'm enduring, but I can still say, God, you're on the throne. That is such an encouragement for other believers. That can only be done if someone's walking in the Spirit. It can only happen that way. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I like self-control because it's the opposite of walking in the flesh, isn't it? Self-control. Anything to do, the Holy Spirit is going to bring self-control in your life. In all aspects. In all aspects. People have come to me and said, well, maybe you've had, a, maybe you've had some, well, let me see if I can put it this way. Have you ever been to a super Pentecostal church where People are doing things in this Holy Spirit, in, in allegedly the Holy Spirit, and they say that I'm not in control of myself. I'm not in control. I'm out of control. The Holy Spirit came upon me and I lost control. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Not only when it's self, but the Bible, Paul says everything is to be done decently and in order when it comes to the fellowship. It doesn't mean we forsake the gifts of the Holy Spirit by any stretch of the imagination. But when we look at the Scripture to design them for us, we see self-control as the key fruit. If I'm in the Spirit, Paul's saying, my life will look like self-controlled. I, will have self, I won't be out of control. If I'm out of control, I'm not in the Holy Spirit. Self-controlled. Against such, there is no law. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Let me ask you this question this morning. If you are Christ's, are you being led by the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you being led by your flesh? You can't be led by both. It's impossible. They're contrary to one another, Paul just said. You get to make a choice. Do I want to run off my old hard drive and just clean it up a little bit so I look a little better? Or do I want to run off this new hard drive? This blessing of a hard drive. This life that says, I don't have to pay attention to what my flesh says anymore. I don't have to. And the best thing about the new hard drive is if I do mess up, then I've got my grace. I have a chance, and you have a chance, to decide that I want to run off the Holy Spirit for the rest of my life. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to try to clean myself up so I look like I'm okay, but then go home and I go, it's a good thing these people really don't know who I am. That's running off the whole old hard drive. I just put a nice pretty front on the front of it so everyone would think everything's good. I want the inside to be clean. I want the mind to be pure. I want my heart to be pure. I don't want to be, have to put up a, 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 a... It's hypocrisy, right? If we just clean up the outside and look like we're doing good, we're hypocrisy. We're, we're hypocrites. That's what we're living like. That's not Christianity. Christianity says, as a Christian, as a disciple... I am following the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? What should that look like? It starts with you understanding what the Lord did for you. It starts when those songs that we sang, the Lamb of God, 
at the cross, those, those songs, the Lord, when, when you realize he died for me, he loves me so much, he died, not so that I could someday get to heaven and, and have a good life then, I can have freedom now. What good is Christianity if it's then and I've got to suffer now? Paul's life, anybody want to live it? I wouldn't want to live his life. Isn't that a prison? Killed? Any of the apostles? Anybody want to live their lives? No. But they lived it with joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control. That's how they lived their life. That's how they demonstrated it. One more quick example. Do you guys remember Samson? We studied him not too long ago in Judges. He was a guy who walked after the flesh, wasn't he? He had a Nazarite vow. Lord said, going to make him a Nazarite from birth, which meant three things. Don't touch any wine or fruit of the vine. Don't cut your hair. Don't touch anything dead. In the four chapters that Samson's mentioned in the book of Judges, where do we find him? He's in the vineyard. It opens up, he's in the vineyard. He's around grapes. Tells his parents, I want that woman, get her for me. His mom and dad say, no, no, why don't you just marry a, marry a good Jewish girl, a Hebrew girl? No, no, I want her. She pleases me well. Go get her, dad. And before long, he kills a lion. He kills the lion in the vineyard, by the way. He took a shortcut to walk through the vineyard. Kills the lion, reaches in the lion to get out something sweet. Paying no attention to his vow. Walking after his flesh. Walking after his flesh. Whatever feels good. Later, he's led into prostitution. Still leading his flesh. And then you know the story of Delilah. She takes him down, cuts his hair. And the worst part of the whole story is he did not know the Spirit of the Lord had left him. He didn't know. He thought he, thought he would never be brought down. He thought he could just walk after his flesh forever. He thought, I, not, I, I've touched grapes, I've drank wine, I've, been in, I've touched dead things. Not, it doesn't matter. I can let her cut my hair. What difference does it make? And the Spirit of the Lord left him. Because you can only go so long after the flesh. It will lead you to death. It will lead you further and further away from the Lord. But do you also know the story of Joseph? Joseph, his brother, sold him into slavery. Finds himself as a slave down in Egypt in Potiphar's house. Starts rising the ranks, doing really good. Becomes second in charge in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife, she kind of likes him. Cute kid. Maybe I'll make a move on him. She does. She tries to get Joseph to get into bed with her. What does Joseph say? First he says, wait, 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 wait. I'm second in charge. My master's giving me all these things. My, my. And then he, he ends up with this. Joseph says this. How can I sin against God? How can I sin against God? And what does he do? He runs away. She rips off part of his shirt. He ends up in jail for the lies she tells. But he goes to jail pure and holy, because he did not sin against God. Joseph was a man that followed the Spirit. Samson was a man that followed the flesh. God used both of them. Whose life would you rather have been in? I don't know about you, but I want to be a man who follows the Spirit, who's led by the Spirit of God, not a man who follows the flesh. God can use men that are following the flesh, and He will. But oh, what a blessing to be led by the Spirit. I wonder what Samson missed out on his life. I wonder what God could have used him for if he'd have just said no to his flesh. As Christians, we need to clearly understand before us every day lies a choice. 
Before us every moment lies a choice. Before every choice can lie a choice. You see, it's as long as we're alive and we have this flesh, this body with us, it's always going to try to pull you away from the Lord. It has no power over you. You can simply tell it no. But it'll always try to pull you away. The question is, will you be strong enough to say no? And it's not in your strength. It's in the Spirit's strength. Because I can't do both. Think of it this way. The next time you decide to fall after your flesh, and there's always a warning, by the way. It doesn't just happen like that. There's always something that leads up to it. There's always, you can always see when it's coming. The next time you decide to go down that road, realize what you're saying goodbye to. I'm saying goodbye to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'd love for you to lead me, but just not for this 10 minutes, or not for this hour, or not for this day, or not for this week. I'll come back, but right now I've got to get out of here. You're sacrificing. The Lord's going, no, 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 don't leave. Don't leave. Don't, no, no, don't, don't do that. Stay here with me. But Lord, I'm tempted. What do I do? Do what Paul said. Serve other people. In love, serve other people. Get your mind off of yourself because that's where your flesh is dragging you. It's all about you. Serve other people. Now I have to backtrack to remind you of this one thing. If you don't have Christ, you don't have this option. You don't have Christ. You don't have the option of serving the, following the Holy Spirit. The only thing you have is the flesh. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't have Christ do fleshly things, should we? It should, it, it, it's, why? They have no option. But it should bother us when people that have the Holy Spirit do fleshly things. Most importantly, ourselves. It should really bug you when you step away from the Lord and into the flesh. You don't have to do that. When you can understand that, when you can get it through your mind that I do not have to follow my flesh. And I know there's somebody sitting out there that goes, well, I'm certainly not experiencing that because my flesh battles with me all the time. You don't have to battle. You don't have to fight. The opposite of being in the flesh is in the spirit. If you're in the spirit, there is no fight. They're contrary, Paul says. That's where your faith comes in. You have to believe it first. If you don't believe that you have power over your flesh, you will continue to battle. It's when I say, you know what, Lord, the, the, in Romans chapter 6, Paul is clear, my flesh is dead, it is dead, I'm not paying attention to it, I'm reckoning it dead, I'm not going to give into it anymore, I don't care what it says, that's where victory comes. Not because you're suppressing the flesh, because you're now walking in the Spirit. You cannot gain victory over the flesh in the flesh. It only comes by walking in the Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, I hope this message was clear. I pray that the hearts of everyone here would understand, Lord, that while our flesh is alive, we're to reckon it dead. We're to consider it dead, Father. In fact, it did die with you. Although the temptation might be there to follow, May we choose the Spirit. May we choose to feed ourselves with the things of the Lord. Christian fellowship, the Word of God, prayer, Bible study, serving others. Lord, we want to be those people, not in that first list we talked about. We want to be those people where the fruit of the Holy Spirit is growing in our life. Where the love, the joy, the peace, long-suffering through difficulty, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We want those things in our life. Lord, and they lie at our choice that we have to make. May we choose this day to walk after the Spirit. May you shed light on the idea, the promise that the flesh is dead. May we no longer fulfill it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.